You're listening to the AID Network. Hello, friend. Welcome to another Adventures in Design. Comment below where we look at pop culture. This week, Connie Collinsworth and myself, we explore 16 of our favorite male anti-heroes from television. Figure out who was that villain slash hero, good guy that was a bad guy, but was really bad, but had a heart of gold that we love so much that we just couldn't say no to, even though in real life, the person would probably frighten the hell out of us. If you would like to watch today's episode, the first part was a live stream over on YouTube, youtube.com slash adventures in design. In an effort to grow adventures in design, I've been doing daily live streams. Make sure you subscribe to the channel, hit the bell button when you hit subscribe. That way you'll be notified when I go live. A lot of the episodes like today, we're looking for the audience's participation. So if you want to watch the first portion, it's over on YouTube for you, but I would appreciate if you could subscribe to the channel at youtube.com slash adventures in design each and every Monday through Friday, I'm trying to put up something a little bit different for you and round out the entertainment that hopefully you enjoy from the AID network. So if you've ever thought, man, I wish I could look at what they were talking about. Well, now you can, your wish has been answered. Your wish is my command within limitations. Cause you know, I don't believe in that customer is always right. Bullshit. Hey friend, today's episode and all episodes of Adventures in Design are made possible by Jack Prince. Create everything you need to succeed, your one-stop print shop. Jack Prince can make it all for you, for your clients, for your customer, for your band, whatever you're looking to do, and whomever you're looking to do it with. That's right, you can get papers and cardstocks, apparel and accessories, stickers and labels, banners and signage. Anything you're looking to make, you can make it great with our friends over at jackprince.com slash circle of trust. You're going to save money by listening to today's show and by going there and supporting them. And let me just put this into your mind. If you're a freelance designer, you get some work done for your client, mock up some items, say, hey, would you like to get notebooks made? Would you like to get stickers made? Would you like to get t-shirts made? Because you got paid for the logo, but now you can get it paid again and again if you start to offer design and printing services for your client. It's a way to create passive income. Do it with our friends over at jackprince.com slash circle of trust, where you'll never pay for shipping if you live in the US and you'll never pay a hidden fee if you live on planet earth. Let's get started with today's comment below. Today you have the ability to listen to us over on wherever your favorite podcast platform is or watch us over on YouTube and some of you might even see us live because what we're doing today, this is part one of a five-part series that we will string out over several episodes. But today, as our first chapter, Connie and myself, Connie, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing fantastic because today is about one of my favorite topics the anti-hero. I love me a good anti-hero. When I was putting this together with you, I realized I might be gay for anti-heroes. 
<laughs> I got a lot of boyfriends in today's show. I mean, a lot of men in here that I really just have this emotional connection with. Like, I love a lot of these men we're going to be talking about today. I'm the same way. I think I have uh, a lesbian man crush on a good 80% of these folks. So We're gender bending here today with part one. What we're looking at today, so you know specifically how we got to where we're at today. We have in front of us 16 male anti-heroes from TV. Oh, Bricky, but what about film? Oh, Bricky, but what about the ladies? Don't forget the women, Bricky. Uh-uh-uh. <laughs> Four episodes focusing on each category, and eventually our fifth episode, we will get to the tippy top. The tippy top, where we will square off man against woman, woman against man, TV against cinema. We will figure out who our favorite antihero is. Battle of the antihero sexes? Is that I what you're it. telling me? I love it. I love it. So what do you say we get started in? This is what I did, Connie. I took our live, or I'm sorry, I took our list of 16 uh, that we just organically came up with on our shared note system that we use every week for comment below. I took that 16, I went over to random.org and I spit out the numbers with no repeats. And I have a NCA bracket, NCAA bracket style lined up in front of me where we will just rip through them. And everybody who is watching over on YouTube can see the different images they're popping up. And, uh, if you and I get to a tie, because Sean hasn't turned his microphone on yet, at some point, the logo on the live stream will flip over and reveal the Snicket live. Uh, they don't have that technology. If for some reason you and I get to a push, we're going to have to go over to the live chat on YouTube to get that tiebreaker. Okay, I'm not big on trust, but I'll, I guess we'll trust the uh, listeners to bust up any tie we might have. Shh, but I feel like they're I my feel customers, like we, Connie. They're my customers. <laughs> I feel like we might have uh, we might have a low chance of a tie on this, but let's see what we get. All right, let's get into it. Let's figure out what we come up with. Okay, so our first one is going to be our 14 seed, which 14 was Rick Grimes. So let me pull up Rick Grimes here. The image that I'm using of Rick Grimes is that photo where he's got the tears in his eyes. He's got the gray beard. Life is just falling apart from him for him. So every every week on the show. Yeah. I mean, I mean really when he's really when he's feeling it and then okay. going against him in our third slot, I already had him loaded up. Philip Jennings from the Americans. Oh. Connie, because I'm not a sexist. I'm going to let men go first because ladies first would be giving you a special treatment. And I'd hate to do that here. I'm going to go no. first. That's fine with me. We're going to talk it out. We got to do the math first though. Okay. So yep. Rick Grimes, anti-hero. Our rule for this was, is that it had to be somebody, even if they were a lawman, it had to be somebody that you and I had seen commit several crimes Mm -hmm. both for good and for bad, for selfish reasons. But we wanted to make clear that we didn't accidentally put a villain on our list because why spill future content? Right. So the idea that I think makes Rick Grimes a true anti-hero is he was a lawman. He got forced into this dystopian world where he has done everything and anything possible to survive his own morals and his own kin. But we have seen him go down the dark paths, the very dark paths, hard decisions. Yeah, he's biting throats out out there with his bare teeth. Yeah, he, he just a 
classic moment for him. He's gotten far from where he started off. But then on the other side, Philip Jennings of the Americans, I feel like that's a TV show that maybe a lot of people slept on, but Philip Jennings, his role is central to the whole thing. And I have him in one of his famous costumes. I love the way that they would dress him up for when he'd go <laughs> undercover. <laughs> that, that wig department on that show just worked themselves over time with these guys. They were the uh, the worst. But then when I think about it, you know, you and I both remember the 70s a little bit and, yeah. and, uh, and the early 80s, and they really didn't look out of place. No, no. And I, I still don't know where they came up with that many K cars. Like, who has that many, like, not fancy, like, who holds on to the cars that they would have for the Americans to, to populate that, that part of DC. Okay. So here's the thing, Philip Jennings, he's a Russian spy, spoiler alert. He's a Russian spy, but at the heart of it, he's a man who's trying to keep his family together and the company business, the family business starts to take second place and he's torn between the lie reality and what his heart wants. Like he never quite can get a rhythm on where he is, where he's at. How do we judge these, Connie? Like, is it who's the well, most anti-hero? Is it who we love the most? Who's the best character? Who's acted the best? Because clearly the best acting here is Philip Jennings by a long shot. By a long shot? I'm Carl. so glad he finally, finally got that Emmy. Although, you know, Carrie Russell did not get hers. So I'm a little hurt about that. But well, let's let's judge them against each other in a couple of ways. Yep. First of all, um, we've got Rick, who is a lawman, but now he finds himself in a lawless time. Yes. So... Really, there isn't a constraint other than his own inner morals um, uh, uh, norms about what he's doing. There's no one holding him to anything. Right. Any judgments that are made by anyone else, they've all done just equally as bad things. Now, we go over to Philip Jennings, and he's in a time um, where what he's living in a place also where the laws and the way that the things run don't really apply to him. It's he's used to something different, dropped into America as a young man, as a spy, um, in an arranged marriage with a woman that he ends up with for over 20 years, family man, businessman, government spy. I think he just is so much more complex of a character that he, he is in my top three or four of anti-heroes. So I got to put my vote to Philip Jennings. You know, he's also like, are, are he and Carrie Russell, are, are, are they swingers? Is he a pedophile? You know I mean? Like he is, he is pushed in to the, like the worst situations, like the worst uh, situations. He's not in control of his own destiny. No. Uh, and they both have had those, odd sexual relationship situations but he seemed to carry on more of the long-term long con on people yeah. <laughs> which requires you to do every day a lot of uh, manipulating and rule breaking and stuff that would tear a regular marriage apart but one where you're actually killing and fucking all kinds of people and then you go home to your wife and she's doing the same thing <laughs> it's like uh it, that was one of the most interesting aspects of that show for me were how they managed their their own uh, relationships also, and the ones with all the p other people. Also how they played against type. One would, you know, there's the stereotypical that women get attached to sex. Yeah. Philip yeah. was the one who got attached to sex, to, to, to the people that he was close with. Like Carrie could like flip the switch on and off. 
He was a little oh, yeah. bit more dedicated. He was a little bit more emotional than her. All right. I think that we've got our clear winner here. It seems that Philip is going to move on to our second round. All right. Let's move over. Random.org picked for us. And our next one, our number six pick, which is Frank Underwood. <laughs> which when we think about Frank Underwood... How far off is the actor from the man that he's playing? And he will be going up against our number 10. I, I made an audible Audie. I, audible Audie. I made an audible Connie. I swapped out Jimmy McNulty for Omar Little. I thought you might do that when we when I kind of put the question mark by him in our notes and said, Jimmy McNulty, question mark? Yeah. <laughs> because uh, he's just such a, McNulty was such a great character that I, I romanticized him more than he probably should have been as an anti-hero. So Omar, yeah, I'm again, I'm going to let you go first on this one because I know that The Wire is closer to your heart than it is mine. Um, I'd love to hear your argument on these. By the way, on the last one, there, the audience was 100% for Philip. I mean, what a character. Okay, so Frank Underwood, there's very little hero in him. I, I mean, the... The only thing that's heroic about him is that he was the president and we were taught to think of the president as a hero, but that's kind of mm -hmm. where it stops because he was a villain. He took the presidency by committing crimes, by finagling and, and by being just an all around bad person. There's no one in his life that he loves. Um, he's a secretive rep repressed homosexual who that cuts through a lot i think of his anger towards different people and claire and everyone around him is a man who never really got to be who he wanted to be and so in the result he crushed everyone around him on the other side of things we have omar little a man who kind of like rick grimes is living in a dystopian society called baltimore baltimore, baltimore maryland <laughs> and the reason why we love Omar Ao is because he does have a code. There are lines that he won't cross. Uh, also, side note, probably one of the first times that you would see a strong, tough, scary, like well-respected gay black male on a major TV show. Right. And, and, and we also clearly saw all the shit that the other thugs talked about him for being gay. Okay, you've done your best non-Southern lawyer, Southern lawyer work on me here on this one <laughs> because you've presented, you hit all those points. Mrs. Much like Collinsworth, Kevin, could you say you was in front of the HBO on Sunday nights watching this here while? I could say that you're doing a good Frank Underwood uh, impersonation here with this, but as Kevin Spacey in a, as Kevin Spacey in a Time to Kill, that Southern lawyer that he was. <laughs> um, we've got the, okay, a couple points. Okay, I'm realizing that Frank Underwood is far more of a villain, but that I was maybe in love with Kevin Spacey's acting for it that is, character. It is hands down ignoring him as a person. It is one of the top five performances in the history of television. Oh yeah, I absolutely hate the breaking the wall and looking at the camera and, and chit chatting. But it was it was part of that show. It had to be there. It worked, and that was one of the things that I loved about that character. So he brought me over for that. But okay, he's he's mostly more of a villain. We're only giving we only have love or respect for him because he's the president. Um, and if we're gonna bring in the the gay thing, which 
we're going to have to. He loses points for his repression, acting out, secretive, and hurting other people because he's not out. So we got to give those points to Omar in this battle. And Frank has no code. Omar has a code. Everyone in the wire had a code, whether it was fucked up or not. They had their own code. Right. But Frank Frank has nothing. Everyone's a pawn to him, even his wife, who is his biggest asset, and he never realized that. Yeah. So I'm going Omar. I think that Omar Little is the way to go. And I wouldn't be surprised when we do this again with villains if we don't see Frank Underwood, because then I have a whole <laughs> different argument for him. Yep. All right. Yep. So Omar Little will go on to round two. Okay. Our next matchup that we have, our third matchup today, uh, puts our number two that we picked, Jackson Jax Teller from Sons of Anarchy. <laughs> What a handsome man he that is. Uh, and then that puts him up against our number 12, which is Ray Donovan. All right. I'm going to let you go first. Well, I am so far behind on um, Ray Donovan that I only have the very early parts to judge on. And this is, even though it's a 2 and a 12, which if we were really playing in brackets of real sports, we would be really far off in the... In the Seating. Yes, here. And this we're not. I think these are kind of way more lined up. Jax Teller is problematic for me, though, because it's just uh, the character is so like you can't tell what Jax Teller is going to do ever. Right. Which he's unpredictable, which isn't good for an antihero. Like some other folks in this thing, we're going to be able to tell you in any situation that we know what they would do, but right. he is all over the place, which makes him unpredictable, which makes him a bad villain slash hero. Either thing you, you want a little bit of predictability there. I don't know. What do you think on this one? I would think that <sighs> Jax Teller, once again, I mean, in the first season, he's, he looks like a boy. And at the last season, when he finally puts his daddy's boots on and takes off the Air Force Ones, he fully materialized as a man and a leader. And, you know, he's always he has this vision of trying to get his club into a safer area, you know, so his a lot of the crimes that he commits is a strategy for a longer play of a, of a, a better day. Ray Donovan, on the other hand is an organized criminal you know Mm -hmm. he he well in the earlier episodes i mean it's it's a show that's maybe overstayed as welcome because it's unclear exactly ray donovan now is just a broken man and everything that he touches he breaks as a result so i i'm i'm looking at jack's teller as maybe more of the hero because he is trying to do so many things for so many good people. And spoiler alert, ultimately he pays the ultimate price for what he believes in. And that's sort of a code that he has. So code's going to play a lot for us in here. I don't know. um, You mentioned Ray Donovan becoming a lost man and broken man and and having effects. I think that kind of happens to almost all antiheroes, at least the ones we're talking about. There's something that in the way they're carrying themselves and living their life and the decisions they're making that brings them to that broken spot. So, mm, boy, this one's tough. It, it, it is a tough one. Uh, I haven't seen any activity over on our live chat. So if somebody over there could just say, hey, we're still here, that would be awesome just to take that question mark out of my mind if we're still rolling. Okay, so when I think about it, 
between these two guys, I would have to go with with Jax. That's my personal vote. I I just think that there was more heroism in him. um, And there was just sort of more of a code like Ray Donovan. If you're still with it, he's just gotten to be very lost. Yeah, that would have been my leaning also because Jax just has so many. He's one man in so many different directions and things pulling him. But he does have good intentions and goals in mind. Sometimes his temper and his um, uh, hate get in the way of that, but that's an anti-hero for you. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Okay, cool. We're still rolling. I just wanted to make sure. Thank you guys for uh, for commenting in over there with me. There's a lot of moving pieces as I get used to doing this in a multimedia fashion. All right. Our third, I'm sorry, our fourth lineup for the day is going to put our 13 pick, another one of my boyfriends, Mr. <laughs> Raylan Givens of justified man what a what a piece that is and then that's <laughs> we're going to put him up against our number 5 which is oh god this is hard Jimmy McGill from Better Ooh. Call Saul and the Breaking Bad genre This is a rough one this is a rough one we have a lawman versus a lawyer but to say that Jimmy's a lawyer is to say that Ray is a lawman, a U.S. marshal. They both break every bit of the code that they swore to the people uh, to get to where they need to go. Raylan Givens is very identifiable for me because here's a man that comes from, you know, a questionable family from the the squalors of Kentucky, and he's kind of trying to put it all together and everybody in that town he's got some sort of a beef with and it literally seems like he has little to no respect for the marshal's office and would do anything he could to put his enemy in jail jimmy mcnulty let's go sorry jimmy mcgill thank you um let's ignore let's ignore the amazing acting okay yeah (laughs) hands down probably top three best acted character on this countdown he is who would have ever thought bob odenkirk was going to be somebody that we were amazed at their acting you know i keep dreaming and fantasizing that they will do a season that is just the cinnabon years yep because i want to see that broken version of him so much more but i mean he really is he's just a loser I mean, everybody has always told him that he was going to be a loser. And even when he wins, he is one of those people's like, things are going good. This doesn't feel familiar. And then he just throws a match in his own life and burns it up. Well, yeah, because I don't feel like that Jimmy McGill ever didn't believe that about himself. You can be called a loser and people think you're a loser. But if you've got that spark and fire in yourself, it makes a different person. I don't I think he believes the bad hype. And so when he gets the luck. He's not deserving of it. When things are going his way, there's something in there that triggers because you could see those moves coming from him before yeah. he does it. And that isn't bad acting. That's the character that he's showing us. It's uh, it's one of my favorite shows. He's one of my favorite characters. And the, everybody, I could say that all of his relationships on there are some of the best TV I've ever watched. I'm going to have to go with the fact that he is a lawyer, and he's able to maintain being a lawyer by doing all of the things that he does. I'm not even thinking about Breaking Bad at this point, just basing it on this show. Right. I would throw, and also just because he doesn't have, like Raylan Givens has got the charm, the looks, Ooh. 
the bad. I mean, it's in abundance. Timothy Oliphant is one of those also lesbian, like real life crush things. I don't have a lot of them, but I got a few, and he he's one of them. They're just what something a head about that of dude. hair. What a head of hair that he has. What a fucking smile. What I know. A skin tone. What a swagger. I mean, it's all there. He, the fact he just that needs he... a vagina, and I'm so. <laughs> And me too. <laughs> That's all he's missing for me as well, apparently. Uh, put one in for us, Raylan. I can't believe as an actor that he doesn't have another leading project right now. I mean, him and Justified. I mean, that to me was a fall ritual. When that show came back, that was just a lockdown Wednesday morning. I watched it the night, you know, it'd come on Tuesday. I'd watch it Wednesday. I mean, that was just a lockdown FX ritual for me. I love that character, but Jimmy McGill, he's also that thing where if you raise a kid and you're hard on the kid and you, and you basically beat out their self-confidence in them, they become an adult that doesn't have self-confidence. And like Jimmy McGill is this crazy polarizing character of that. He's incredibly smart. The scams that he runs and the way that he sees the straight path to opportunity is amazing, but there's a core lack of believing in himself. And that last scene of the last season where uh, his, his love interest, her name on the show is, Kim. Kim. When Kim realizes that yeah. she's been played by the player, she's been conned by the con man, that look on her face, what a perfect ending. That just goes to show that an ending to a great season of TV doesn't need to be an explosion or, you know, somebody on a helicopter flying away when everybody thinks that he's dead. Like that look in her face, that's everything that we love and hate about Jimmy McGill. Yeah, that was a thoughtful conversation between two people ending a season and she realizing that she's been along for all, like she knows Jimmy. She's probably the only one that knows him, maybe besides his brother. And I don't know that his brother even knew him as well as Kim. Realizes that she's been in on the schemes. They go on those little adventures that they go on that she gets a little thrill out of. She gets everything that she needs from him, oddly enough. But then to come to realize that I've been played by this person that I was in consort with was devastating to not, I mean, to me watching it, I was like, Oh no, 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 don't, 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 no, don't do this. But I'm going to have to put it over to, I'm going to have to respect the hustle of Jimmy McGill and put my vote to Jimmy for this one. Yeah, it's it slipping Jimmy is going to slip right into our sweet eight. All right. Up next are nine and our eight seed come up against each other. So our number nine is none other than Nucky Thompson. Okay. Let me load him up. And then opposite of him is going to be Dexter Morgan. One uh, of our characters that stayed too long at the TV party. Way too long. That ending of that show, it just, I, I hated it because Dexter was a thing where I was in that show so much and it was a, a regular watcher for me. I liked all the aspects of it, never really let me down. Um, I love that actor from the um, David Fisher days. Um, Over on Six Feet Under? Six Feet Under. As Michael? Yeah. Yes. So, oh, Michael, yeah, yeah, wrong name. Um, boy, oh, boy. And then we've got Nucky. You know, I love a gangster story. I love a, a, the gangsters who, I think there's some, they're good people, 
but then it's just the lifestyle that they're in, the life they're born into or, or make for themselves. Yeah. Like their goals and in whatever they're, they really want to be become overtaken by power. So that's the power is what turns people in those situations. I don't think it's the money. I don't think it's anything else like that. The criminal aspect of it. I think it's the power of it. Once you get, I mean, I don't know. I don't have any power, but I imagine once you get some power, it's really hard to, to be a human and do the good, the right thing. Yeah. So Dexter, I I could literally do a whole episode where I tell you after about season two, how I would have done four more seasons of Dexter and I think tell you a much better story. That might be a fun thing to do at some point. Mm -hmm. Dexter had a code. Mm -hmm. He was killing for a reason. It was wild, always wondering if today was the day that he was going to get caught. And then ultimately you realize that, you know, the, 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 the bad thing about that show is it just basically made it to where you realize he was never going to get his, his, his due day, you know, for, for being a criminal. And then you weren't, invested in it anymore now nucky thompson for me it's a little bit different because i didn't finish that show boardwalk empire got a little too talky and i just really lost my interest in it i didn't finish the last season either so maybe this is one point for us to to think about is did we finish with the character or did we not yeah i definitely finished with dexter it's something about the show even though it did kind of go wrong and he started doing the thing that gets reckless in a show like this when yeah. you've got a, a methodical serial killer, he starts spinning out of control. Right. And that's bad. When when he's got there's too many people that know or might find out something and he's got too many ties and relationships. That's the thing that in the, that you always find out about the serial killers in, in the the follow ups on them or, or when they're are caught. It's some technicality or some slip up that gets them not their relationships because they don't fucking have many real life relationships because they don't care. So I think Dexter's code being instilled in him by his father backfired and he had too many connections to people. But still, I would give this to Dexter over Nucky just based on the show. I'm, this would be a, not on the character, but on the show. I stuck more with the show, enjoyed it more. It was a little bit of a struggle to watch Boardwalk Empire, which is why I ended up getting away from it. Yeah, I, I, I'm feeling more toward Dexter on this one as well. And and my favorite thing about when you learn the, the story of a serial killer, um, it also is the same, my favorite part of a hero's voyage is, you know, I love the rise to, to, to power and the rise to greatness, but there's something so intriguing about the fall and when it collapses. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I always use Boogie Nights as my key example, you know, yeah, it was exciting when he goes from being a kid that lives in Torrance to being Dirk Diggler and everything's working out for him. But the real core of that movie is, you know, when he's pushing his Corvette through the Hollywood Hills and now he's, you know, just going out and trying to do whatever he can and cars to make money. Um, and that same model for a serial killer is that it, the house of cards collapses. The lies are spinning out of control. You've got bodies on top of bodies, lies on top of lies. And it's almost as if, you know, the Jeffrey Dahmers of the world, they, at some point is like, just catch me catch me and take this burden off of me because I'm sick and I can't control it anymore. 
Right. And I agree with you on the downfall being more interesting. One of my favorite things to discuss with people is like pick American tragedies and talk about them. Like you can talk about the Kennedy family. You can talk about Michael Jackson, um, (laughs) Britney Spears, (laughs) Britney Spears, any of these people that are like an unlikely rise or that they just become like American royalty. And then you think that there's no way it could end and no way it could be bad. And then it just goes bad for all of those people. And you and I grew up in the height of tabloid journalism. Like the National Enquirer isn't anything like it used to be when we were younger. Yeah. You know, when there was just a, a hot, they're making stuff up now. This other stuff was never made up. And I think that's kind of what interests me. And my mom would get that Star magazine and National oh. Enquirer every freaking Saturday. Do you remember, I know Momo did too, didn't she? Yeah. Do, do you remember being a kid though and being at the Win Dixie? With your mom or your grandmother and looking, and I picked Winn-Dixie because I know we weren't Kroger families. Uh, no. You'd be at the Winn-Dixie and you'd look at these National Enquirers and it's like no adult in my life was like, don't pay attention to those. And I just like, holy, no. holy, Michael Jackson is sleeping with an alien? <laughs> yeah. Jim Baker knows Hitler? What? <laughs> what? What's going on here, man? It was the best. It was the absolute best. And I think that's part of my fascination was like, I know there's some bad in every story. Let me get the bad, please. It's amazing. This is why I love the world of the internet. Uh, AID Circle Trust Member Training Camp, bro. Tony Tran is watching us at 4.40 a.m. Friday in Australia. Oh, it's a small <laughs> world after all. So we decided that Dexter's moving on, correct? Yes, absolutely. Okay, so Dexter's going to... All right, so Dexter moves on to our sweet eight. Uh, Up next, we have our number one seed. When we came up with this list, we wrote one man's name down first, and that's the great James Gandolfini as Tony Soprano. In a true uh, way that this lines up, he's going to be going against what became our 16 seed, which is (laughs) Jack Bauer. Uh, I didn't even watch any Jack Bauer stuff, so and by default, I don't care who you put up against <laughs> Tony. Maybe except in the finale, if we yeah. get there, uh, I'm gonna have to to go for the, the Sopranos as the beginnings of the televised antihero. Do we know of anybody before that? Uh, no, everybody before it. If they were a lawman, you were rooting for them because they were a good lawman. If they were a villain, they were a villain. Tony Soprano was the first time that everything got blurred together uh i will say this about jack bauer one of my favorite theories about jack bauer is once they killed him to sneak him into a room and then they mm-hmm. shot him with that adrenaline that brought him back to life and yeah. then there was probably five six more episodes after that so that last five episodes he's fighting all of those crimes saving the world with shit in his pants <laughs> right oh yeah because he died because yeah. he died so it's like, I need to get over there and get those terrorists. The person next to him is like, uh, Jack, you, you, you want some new 501 blues, buddy? You, you, Jack, you uh, like he just walks onto the plane. Everybody sit down. Uh, sir, you, you want to explain something to us? Hey, friends, today's episode is brought to you by my friends over at SinPro Online by Pitney Bowes, where you can easily compare USPS, UPS, and FedEx shipping in one simple-to-use online tool. That's right. Wherever you're sitting right now, imagine just doing your shipping from that spot. And they're going to send you a 10-pound free scale because you're going, how am I going to weigh the packages, Bricky? Well, we're giving you a free scale. We're also giving you 30 free day trial when you go to pb.com slash design. So this is the deal. Whether you're printing shipping labels or stamps, 
you're all going to just do it from home right now. No more driving down to the post office unless you just want to drop it off, but you're not waiting in line. You'll no longer be held hostage by these adults that come from some sort of shipping wormhole that have no idea how it all works. And you're standing there with your big box of posters that you got to get out to your customers and your clients. And you're wondering, how is this person this age? And they've never shipped anything. Why are they eating up all my time? Why is the line not moving? Why is my day getting further and further away? Why is this starting to cost me money? No more. Send pro online. PB.com slash design. Send it all from where you're sitting right now. We'll send you a 10 pound scale and 30 free days. PB.com slash design. You're welcome. You know who I almost put in the 16 slot because his TV show and Connie and I came up with 14 of these off the fly. I just needed to fill out two last ones. So it's, yeah. it's our shared list because um, it's Valentine's Day and we share a lot. Right. TV lover. But <laughs> I almost put Hank Moody on there from Californication just because that's a different kind of show. But mm-hmm. ultimately, I realized that Hank really isn't a hero because he's just a broken man that just hurt everyone around him, even though he didn't want to, but he was too selfish to ever think about anybody else. And there has to be a little bit in an anti-hero of admiration of like, I'd, I'd like to live a day in that person's life and I don't want to live a day in Hank Moody's life. No, no, no. <laughs> just okay, so we're going sex with, with like, you know, his, yeah, just, uh, what a, what a mess. All right. So obviously uh, we knew this Tony Soprano goes for, and I feel we'll have to, f- We'll have to flesh out Tony a little more against his next opponent because Absolutely. we didn't really, we, we kind of went over him, but I mean, he basically just like took a knockout punch there on Jack Bauer. Absolutely. Don't. Okay. So our number 15 is going to go up. Our number 15, I put in Jamie Lannister as those last two that we need to, to fill out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I'm putting him up against Walter White. Oh boy. Oh. Uh. Walter, love him, hate him, mostly hate him, White. Uh, golly. Walter White was, and Breaking Bad was a show that I liked it. I was into it. I I, I thought it was great television when I was watching it. Um, but I could let four or five of them pile up, and, and I didn't think about it when I was away from it. I was very much into it when I watched it. But Walter was somebody that was just so much harder to root for, and I guess that's a good component of anti-hero but there wasn't really enough of walter other than like the the story which you and i love like the business side of this yeah, yeah. tale was always the most interesting to me but then he took such a transformation that he became so unlikable that i think i would put him down on my list but we've got him against jamie lannister who is not super likable either. I mean, we've got a lot of things going on with Jamie there. We've got like, he's the entitled golden boy uh, living on his laurels of his past. Also, he's sleeping with his sister. (laughs) No judgments, but (laughs) judgments. Um, I don't know on this one. What's your thoughts on Jamie? Well, here's the thing about Jamie Lannister and why he's in our anti-hero Markov here. Uh, Jamie Lannister is somebody who we are trained to hate, but as time goes on, we realize that he's maybe one of the best Lannisters. And, you yeah. know, he, he understood Tyrion's cause Tyr- Tyrion is 
pretty much a hero. That's why I picked Jamie over because Jamie has that conflict and yeah. Jamie has forged relationships. He's let people go. He, he He's he's finding his way to a hero's path. Whereas somebody like Jon Snow, the expectations are he's always going to do the right thing. People always thought Jamie was going to do the wrong thing. And often he will surprise you and, and do something that's right. Now, Walter White, if the show stops after three or four seasons, like this is a guy that made yeah. money because he has a disabled son and he has cancer and he wanted to, to leave behind money from his wife and, and his two kids that a science teacher's income's not going to leave behind for them. Yeah. Because, you know, I've said it a thousand times. Teachers are overpaid. Quote me on that one. Uh, <laughs> but he does. He goes beyond anti-hero and becomes a villain in the end. Yeah. Now, as far as acting goes, we all know that Walter White is the best acted character here. But yeah. as far as an anti-hero's journey, I can't believe this, but I'm kicking Walter White out in the first round and I'm going with Jamie Lannister unless you and the audience tells me differently. I'm not going to tell you different because I did, as we're talking about this, I'm reliving moments with Jamie Lannister where I was like, building up to a scene and I was like, he's going to do the right thing. He's going to do the right thing. You know, I'm like in my yeah. head with that. And I think there's, there's something to be said for that with that character and Walter White. Like I said, it's just, it's, he's too polarizing for me to move him on. So I didn't think that we would get, I thought whoever he was against, unless it was a really character that we I didn't like, I thought that he would not go to my second round. So I'm going to agree with you on this. Yeah, that's that's where we're going. So Jamie moves forward as we get into our top eight antiheroes. But we have one more round, which leaves us with our number four pick, which is oh, oh Don Draper. Don <laughs> Draper will be going up against our number eleven. Oh no, don't don't make it this nope. hard on us. Marty Bird. Nope. Oh, Jesus. Oh, God. Don Draper oh, no. against Marty Bird. It's it's the love of my past and the love of my present coming together. Well, this is awkward. This is the thriller in Manila of antiheroes <laughs> right here. This is... This is the vanilla Manila thriller. This is... Oh, my goodness. This is... Let's put... This is the Kentucky Derby with Secretariat against whatever that horse was that they that broke its leg and they had to put it down. And I was so fucking sad about uh, we're going to be putting somebody down right here uh, that we love. Hey, they don't ever kill anybody in the Super Bowl. That's why the Kentucky Derby's the, the <laughs> fastest two minutes in sports. All right. Uh, okay. Well, boy, oh boy. You know, Don Draper is, if I could change my name to Connie Draper, I would change it. it um, it's my most all-time loved television character show i've watched the show i'm on a seventh time rewatch right now and uh oh boy but then marty bird ozark is such a is such a like new love that <laughs> this is like a sophie's choice right here we got us a sophie's choice Mark. all right i i think i have the competitive edge here i've thought about it while you were talking and i think i have the competitive edge here okay don draper the photo i have up of him is staring at a woman sitting on the edge of his desk Don Draper's, he, he doesn't, I mean, he, yeah, there's a bit of an identity theft in there. That's his like breaking the law 
aspect of him. There's a bit of a fraud going on, but he also has a lot of reality to back up this life that he reinvented for himself. So one might say that his branding started with creating his own identity and his own lifestyle. So he branded mm-hmm. himself just like he branded the Kodak Carousel. If you don't like what's being said, change the conversation. Absolutely. And he did. He changed that conversation. He changed his life. And I mean, my, one might say that I've been on that Don Draper path too as a kid from Kentucky. So with Don Draper, his falling apart, his crime is of the heart. Like it's, it's women. It, he, he's a, he has an emptiness in himself, obviously had problems with his mother growing up. Uh, it sounds familiar. And he's <laughs> just taken that hole and he's just filled it with women. The most attractive, the most readily available, the one that's giving him attention. Like that is his downfall. So it's not totally a hero's voyage. And at the end, he comes up with the Coke campaign, we think, you know, like he yeah. finds spirituality. And I don't know. I mean, I think after that camera shot of him being on the beach, <laughs> like, oh, I figured it all out. He went and banged somebody hot at that resort. But Marty Bird, he's making once again, like Jack's Teller, he's making bad decisions today for a better tomorrow. Tomorrow. <laughs> and he, he's trying to like do as little damage as possible on the Ozark town that they live in. He's trying to keep together his family, although he is a cuckold because he loves watching the video of his wife getting banged. Uh, (laughs) What a clip to keep on your laptop. And he's going through this, trying to minimize damage, but always cutting a deal with the devil to try to find his way to heaven. So I think even though I love Don Draper and don't make me ever talk bad about that sweet, sweet, beautiful man, I think Marty Bird is the better male anti-hero in this equation. That's where I'm putting my vote. Oh, God. Um, what do we do if we have a, a, a disagreement here? If we don't, how are we going to break this one? Because I'm just, as much as I love Marty and, and love the way he he does have the goal, I think we're going to go on a journey with him where he isn't in control for the rest of this show. So if people haven't watched, they're not going to understand my point on that. But Draper, he did the ultimate crime. He he took the other guy's life, which affected and impacted so many other people. And it's a crime he can never get away from. It doesn't ever go away. It won't ever. I mean, it popped up with the box of, you know, the brother showing up. It popped up with the box of photos. Then Pete Campbell, of all people, has something on him. And not only are is he he's that's the I think that's the ultimate crime there is he's stolen another man's life he's not living as himself, but then the just the the complete trail of devastation he leaves for so many people in his life from Sa- little Sally Draper I mean talk about a damaged childhood. <laughs> Goodness gracious. They want to make a show about her. They want to let that actress grow up and get some years on her, get some miles on her, and show her in Hollywood in the 70s. Uh, Oh, I'm in. Sign me up. Hard in. Season pass. Just put it on my TiVo. And Don's relationships that he's filling that, that empty hole in his heart up with are not just like romantic relationships. He drags Peggy into that. He drags all these professional associations in with him. And... You know, the biggest romance in that show is not Don and any girlfriend. It's Don and Peggy. That show is is the, their two stories intertwined. And a lot like Jamie Lannister, Don Draper, like he doesn't take advantage of Joan. He doesn't take advantage of Peggy. Like he has like there are women that he will womanize and that there are women that he will work with and, and, and help them find their path. 
and with Joan, the biggest <laughs> moment for me with Don and Joan is the Jaguar campaign where all the other partners said, well, we'll just get Joan to fuck this used car salesman from Jersey or wherever it was or Long Island yeah. to make sure that we get this this market. And they didn't think a thing about it. Connie, and Don. Was that the original what? Fire Fest? We need you um, to go suck dick for our music festival. Like, was the Jaguar? Was that the original Fire Fest? <laughs> I think it was. Like, hey, Joan, yeah, we need you to go over here and take one for the take team. One with for this, the team, this, Joni. With this disgusting guy who's holding up this thing that we want. It might be. But Don and the, that that episode was so fantastic as the nonlinear storytelling. We don't know when people are showing up in the story and what has transpired and what hasn't until we find out that and that Don gets there. And we know at that point when he's telling her, don't do this. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, you, you, you don't have to do this. He's, he really is a very moral man. He just cannot escape being a human, being a man, being a person with flaws. But deep down, that core is still there. And for Joan Holloway to turn her fucking back on him the way she did at the end of that show is the, I don't know what that actress must have done to the writers of the show but they really shit canned her character to where i didn't give a shit about her for the rest of the show and i loved joan i thought joan was a classic character um but don was the only one that ever gave a shit about joan and she turned on him i don't know man i i i, I you i'm go torn don? on it too i go don so okay. we've got a we've got a impasse here well i'm seeing over on our live chat i'm seeing uh done by saturday gives draper he, he says he's going to go all the way, and I don't see a Marty Bird vote over here, so it looks like I lose and I'm out. So Don moves on to our Sweet Eight. For those of you that may be just joining us, what we're doing today is we are matching off male anti-heroes uh, against each other. What about the women? Don't worry. We'll be doing that very, very soon. It's male TV anti-heroes, and we're bracking off the top 16, which gets us into our top eight. So we've already seen the field. I'm surprised how many of these great anti-heroes that we love portrayed by these male actors, a lot of these people aren't working right now, which is, mm -hmm. which is kind of fascinating to me that so many of them just aren't working. I mean, maybe if you become a Jax Teller, you're kind of broken and you can't be anything else. So coming up in our very first round, we're going to have Philip from House of Cards, or I'm sorry, Philip from The Americans. Let me find Philip here on our slideshow. He will be going up against Omar Little from The Wire. God, this is already hard. I hate this second round. Man, Philip is just getting the worst draws in the, in this competition here. I love Philip. I feel bad for Philip. All right, throwing the acting out the window because both of these men crushed it as their their characters. Who is the bigger anti-hero here? Who has the more distance to overcome to to be a hero? Man, oh man. Ugh. That is so think, hard to figure out. I think with Philip, he has, I mean, Omar's got the street life to deal with. And his his justice, if he were to get it, if that's what you want to call it, would be a swift thing. It'd be either from the police or be from another street person. Philip's got it from worldwide. <laughs> He's got, I mean, people within our government want him gone. People within his family, we think... There could have come a time where Elizabeth said, I got to cut my, my loss here. Yeah. He's because she's on the mission until yeah. she isn't. And then he's got people that are in the KGB, the Russian 
people back home, um, his neighbor. <laughs> he's got so much more like he's just engulfed by death and risk and we see it take the toll on him. But I don't think that Philip ever changed. I think that the the good person that he was, he just transferred that over to a different thing, which was his family. He came back around to, you know, the, the God country family thing. He's just like, what really, really matters is my family. And that informed his choices. And, and ultimately, both of these men would end up with nothing. You know, they would lose, oh. they would lose everything in the end. Um, you know, once Philip gets to the end of his character's uh, journey that we see on the show, it, it, it's like everything that he tried to protect eventually just broken and fell away. And it was kind of all for nothing. But I, if I'm hearing you, you're, you're going Philip on this one, right? I'm going to go Philip. I, it's, I, it's... I think I am too. Just, I mean, and also Omar Little, amazing character, but... A, a a smaller part of such a more grandiose story. Philip yeah. was the backbone. He's us in that show. He's the one who's like, yeah. this doesn't make sense. How do I navigate through this? Yeah, he's he, we become him. We start to think about how this is affecting Philip in this show, and we we go on this little crisis of of identity and faith with him, and. He's just the gravity. I mean, they both are. Both of those characters are like weights in that show, but yeah. in different ways. I, it's just, if you folks are listening and did not get on the Americans train, please, I think you can get it all now on Prime or something like that, and, and just just do it. Okay, so coming up for our next matchup that we have in our round two, where we went from 16 to 8, we have Jax Teller going against Jimmy McNulty. Damn it. Jimmy McGill. I'm such a Wire fan that I always want to call him McNulty, and then I hear Bubbles going McNutty, and I just get completely confused. Okay, so we have Jax Teller against Jimmy McGill. All right, so obviously there's a huge difference in the level of acting here. Um, mm -hmm. Charlie did his best as Jax. We fell in love with him, even though it wasn't always the best show or the best character. But Jimmy is just probably... It, I mean, the top three actors in this this countdown, it's James Gandolfini as Tony Soprano, it it's Frank Underwood, and it's Jimmy McGill, right? Like, those are the top three acted out characters. But then there's Don I Draper. Think, I mean, ooh, let's not yeah. even get into it. We can't do it. <laughs> well, here's the thing with Jimmy also is that um, if, you're, if we're talking just specifically against Jax. Yeah. I'm more invested in that I want Jimmy to be a good person. Mm-hmm. But I want him to be a good person that is still the character and does all the things and is gets away with the stuff and is is committed to everything as he is. Jax, I don't know that I'm that invested in what happens to Jax Teller mm. um, as a character. Like, I'm not necessarily rooting. Oddly enough, I rooted for Gemma in that show, which makes me probably a fucking horrible person. I hate <laughs> Gemma so bad. And but in see, the I wanted... I wanted her to be better too. In the last season, when they gave her her own song, Mr. Greensleeves, I was just like, <laughs> bro, I know you love your wife. I know you want to hook your wife up, but come on, man. Come on. Yeah. We need to yeah. watch the show. All right. Here, here's the thing. I'm in love with Jax Teller. I just, I, I love the way that he looked. I loved how cool he was. I loved his jacket. I loved everything about him, but his Air Force Ones. And there was one 
episode where his like white sneakers get into the mud. They're like, oh, your shoes. And I'm like, that's got to be a nod to how dumb it is that he always wears the Air, Air Force Ones. And the last episode when he puts on his dad's leather cracked boots, I'm like, oh, I watched this guy for like seven years and you finally put a good pair of shoes on the guy. What the hell? All right. I have to go Jax Teller because of my love. And I know that I'm wrong, but I can't vote against him because I, I'm, I don't. It's, okay. This is, we've squared up here. Now we're equal because I couldn't vote against Don Draper. So yeah. I got Don, you got Jax. But I'll give you that one. Who, are you going to go with Jimmy? Because do we need to go to the audience for a breaker? Because you're going no, Jimmy think, here, right? Or uh, no? I would go Jimmy for sure. So if you want to go to a breaker, you can, or I'll, I will, I mean, in the true sense of an anti-hero, I can, I can be swayed to your argument and leave my love to the side. But if you want to go to a breaker, I'm okay with that too. I'm going to leave it up to you. Cause I, t- I, I steamrolled you on Draper, but you there's did. no way I could let that go. You did, but I'm trying to find the hero in Jimmy McGill. There isn't one unless you're a hustler or a swindler like we are. All right. I'm we, going. We, yeah, we 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 see ourselves in him. I think is why you and I like him so much. Jax, it is. Let's move on. Up next, we have. Oh, this is I, I, this is going to be pretty easy. We have Tony Soprano, who will be going against Dexter. Oh, <laughs> yeah. There's there's not there isn't just isn't a comparison. Um, in one's a serial killer who. I mean, he has a code, yes, but he doesn't have the same. Like Tony, I don't know if Tony has a code though. Do we think Tony has a code other than yes? When Christopher accidentally killed the dog, that <laughs> that intervention was over. He's like, "You do what to the dog?" And he was just like, "That was it. He was done." No, I mean, Tony is trying to find. Like he, he, there is a code in there. Well, one, there's the respect of the hierarchy of the family and the rules and yeah. what his dad and uncle junior taught him to be this man. There's that. There's the respect of the family. It's just, it's just the damn government that gets in the way of all of his good times and all these completely attractive brunette, young eye ties that he just can't say no to. That, that, man, that's the only problem there. That's the only problem I have. The government <laughs> getting in the way of my fun times and the ladies. <laughs> It's my only problem. So maybe I should find me a Dr. Melfi and see if I can't work this out too. Yeah, I agree. I agree. There's, you know, the mafia is so interesting. I mean, you can't, unless you're just making the most horrible, low budget with people off the street movie, any crime mafia yeah. movie is going to be interesting. TV show. Yeah. going to be interesting. And they took it to a height. And Tony, you know, again, it's like seeing yourself in, in him. You're torn by all these things. Family. But then like the family is not what it lives up to in your mind to be. And you find yourself being like, why am I doing all these things? Yeah. I, it's gotta be Tony over Dexter. Dexter was, it, it just, they just can't compare. No. And Dexter ends after four seasons and doesn't end the way that it does. We might have a different opinion of him, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah. And if you're new to Dexter, well, uh, never mind. Uh, so, <laughs> So Tony obviously goes ahead. Dexter's a good character, but just, you know, Tony is sort of the beginning of this whole new way of looking at TV. All right. So this brings us up to our last match in the top eight, which is going to put Jamie Lannister against that sweet, sweet, 
handsome Don Draper. Oh, again, there's. I just don't think there's a comparison there. Um, I might be the wrong person to be. If we, we should have taken Draper and Soprano, a toy soprano, out of this, maybe, and then we would have had some differences. But. Um, I got your points about Jamie earlier, and I see that, and I do think that I I'm gonna you know agree with you in the previous, but I just can't I just can't go with it here against Draper because to me it just he's the whole package of hero anti hero. Like you never know, like I said earlier, like you don't want unpredictable, but with Don you you don't have that you you know what he's gonna do. It's always gonna be. Except for his personal behavior, it's always going to be the right thing. He is, he is, he's a decent person. Like, he has decency. You can tell it in his conversations with people, and, and he's a decent person. And he just, but his own innards don't let him be that way sometimes. I, I think with Don Draper, too, the fact that when they found John Hamm, who, you know, once they transform him into Don Draper and give him the haircut and fix the teeth and stuff, he, he literally looks like the icon of the 1950s successful man in America. Like he is in our mind's eye. Well, like when you see saw him for the first time, you go, that's exactly what I think of when I think of a man in this time period. So he's mm-hmm. such an American icon. And I love that they, you know, that he, he was on a hero's voyage, but he was very flawed all along the way. Um, he was always the thing that we were rooting for. And when he made mistakes, you're like, oh, don't, 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 don't cheat. Come on. This, Megan's a whole new chance at a new life. Why are you doing this? And, you know, yeah. he, he just is a broken man. And, and I think that that's what made us love him because we all know that we're broken too. Jamie Lannister is, um, you know, he's in a, he's in a tight spot. He, he's got a lot of evil people around him. He's, he's a troubled person. He comes from a shitty family. He's made good decisions. We don't really know what his hero's journey is. Like, I want to think that Lannister is possible of being a big player in the final resolution that will be happening in April. But who knows? Maybe that's the moment where he just goes for his love of a sister. And if you've ever had sex with your sister, it's hard to deny it's it's the perfect matchup. Um, it, you're just getting perfect genitals there. But it's <laughs> it's it's got to be Don Draper. It has to be. I agree with you. Right. You're not going to have to sway me on but that. You're one. not going to like the way that it goes the next round. All right. So we're at our top <laughs> <Yeah>. four. <laughs> we now have four of the best male anti-heroes from TV. We'll be doing this again with men from film, but we'll also be doing it with women from TV and film and later episodes. We're not going to do it all in one episode. We haven't lost our mind. Um, (laughs) Connie, before we get into our top four, off the top of your head, when we do this with women in TV, who are some of the women that that you're thinking of that are the greatest female anti-heroes in TV? Oh boy. Well, right back to Mad Men, Betty Draper would be in there for me. Based on having watched the whole show, if you watch two or three seasons of it, you're not going to see that. I don't think. Yeah. Um, Elizabeth Jennings. In what episode? Or in Mad Men? Or no? Uh, oh, Elizabeth I'm sorry. Jennings. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the Americans. Sorry, you, you threw the me Americans, off there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm I'm thinking of weeds. Wendy Bird. Weeds comes to mind. Oh, oh, Nancy Botwin. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. And, you know, we don't have any, like, um, light fare in our male um, antiheroes here. These are all one-hour drama 
yeah. crime uh, um, or period pieces. And un- I mean, it's a state of how things are. We're going to have to pull some women from 30 minute, you know, off kilter shows for this. For sure. Yeah. It, but yes, Nancy, Nancy Botwin is uh, definitely in that list. Yeah, it's going to be interesting putting together the 16 for the women. And if for whatever reason it ends up being a bracket of eight, we didn't make the shows. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't make the shows. But it, it the, the anti hero is a very like male dominant idea. But you know, how, this is the way that society works. With the women, they started doing it in 30 minute like oh it's funny that she's a mom and she's also a drug dealer but then you start that evolves into an orange is the new black where it 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 does become the tone becomes a little bit more serious a little bit more heavy and then you have things like the handmaid's tell where it's completely heavy and it, it it's as brutal as you can imagine it, it that it would be so i i think that we're seeing an evolution of the female anti-hero in front of us both in tv and cinema yeah, I hope that we don't have to go down to eight, but thinking about it, um, just the way that female characters are written, if they're to have any power influence, um, they're written more as villains. So if we're going to go by a rule of they can't just be a straight out villain, then we may be down to eight on the female antiheroes. We don't make the shows, people. We just criticize them. All right. <laughs> coming up in our first matchup in our final four, we have Philip Jennings going against my boyfriend, Jax Teller. Oh boy. It's uh it's straight up Philip Jennings for me again. I just it's this it's that kind of attachment issue for me. So oh don't be making that that don't be making that pose. Do we need some theme music for you? You got your boots on over there? Let me go get my motorcycle boots on. God God, Philip Jennings is such an amazing character by the way we're looking at two tv shows that are from premium cable these aren't subscription cable it's a premium cable channel you know or um it's a cable channel i guess premium would be considered hbo i always think that subscription's different but so this is we have two fx projects against each other right yep Mm -hmm. man two of the best things fx has ever done what a network Okay, so Philip is the family man trying to keep it together, pushed into being a Russian spy, like recruited in, really didn't have a choice, and is on that journey. Jax Teller, born into a family of crime, but is trying to get them out. I have to go Jackson, Jax Teller, because ultimately... He gave his life for his code. Against Philip Jennings, who ultimately gave his life for his children's lives. That's the way I play the end of that uh, show. Damn it. Because the Henry storyline in that is fucking heartbreaking um, the f- for me. Yeah, the fact that they turn their back on their son. But, you know, that scene on the train with you two with or without you <laughs> holy shit I, I like i was kind of like oh, this last episode it's paced a little bit weird i don't know what's going on and then that happened i like did that I, like whenever something emotionally hits me like when it's hold the door i like sit up in my chair and i'm like huh? 
did that just happen? And then that bass line that I've always loved from you two, just tears rolling down my little chubby cheeks. You know, in that episode, when that happened, I thought that person was going to be off of the train, but I thought they were going to to really hit us. I thought they were going to be have some border agents or guards or something holding the kid. And then they're on the train that's going and then the kid is paying for them. I thought that's where they were going to go. And it would have been bad. It was worse that she just took the leap for herself on her own. Yeah. It was, and I did the same thing. I set up and said, "Oh my God!" You know, Stacy's like in the, in the room with me and doesn't. She's one of those dip in shows for her. She, I could see her like looking, but then like not wanting to get into it. And she was like, "Oh, that's bad, right?" I'm like, "Yeah, that's bad." <laughs> Done by Saturday writes over on our live chat on our live YouTube stream that he believes that the Americans' final episode is perhaps the best ending of a TV show ever. It stuck with me nope. for real. I'm going to argue that one. It's a really good one done by Saturday. You're, you're not wrong in thinking that it's premium uh, series finale, but I don't think anything will ever be better than the final episode of Six Feet Under. Six Feet Under. <laughs> six Feet Under. It's the best like six minutes of television ever to end anything, maybe of all time, put against anything. We, we might need to do a bracket of best TV moments with where music and video and story meet at some point because that thing... Man, oh man, I can't watch it without crying. It was so heartbreaking, the ending of that show. And and I know a lot of people haven't seen that, so I won't go into the details. But when that, this is when a, 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 a final episode haunts you. When I got rid of my old TiVo, like when it was outdated and we were moving and we didn't need it anymore, that episode was still on the TiVo. I never had the heart to delete it. I could never delete it. I could never. And then when there were a couple of, you know, deaths in my life, when nobody was home, I queued up that last 10 minutes and I just watched it because I just wanted to, I wanted to get the poison out. I wanted to flush the pain out of my body. And yep. that that is the best. That's why uh, Six Feet Under is something you should definitely watch because a lot of shows are good. Like Mad Men was a great show, but the payoff at the end wasn't really, I don't think, justified for the journey. But Six Feet Under, it pays off in spades at the end. Um, to tell you how important that piece of television is to me, I have my business cards here. And on the yeah. back of my business cards, rather than regular old info, I have all of my favorite quotes. And it says, if if you want to know everything about me, these are my favorite quotes. And one of those quotes is, you can't take a picture of this. It's already gone. Nate Fisher. <laughs> Keep it together, Mark. Keep it together. When he's in the mirror... And objects are closer than they appear. Appear. Holy. Are we going to cry? Are we, we going to, like, we're not even, Six Feet Under is not even on this countdown. And we're, like, getting ready to cry over the, the, the season finale. Holy shit. All right. Um, Philip Jennings, Jackson, Jax Teller. It looks like my heart is for Jax. But just like. You know, Trump didn't get the money for his wall, but he can be like, oh, it's just, it's like a down payment for a bigger wall. You want to go Philip? Done by Saturday wants to go Philip. I got outvoted. I got outvoted. Okay. It's Jack's <laughs> Teller, but I got outvoted because Connie and Done by Saturday over on our live stream. All right. I got outvoted, but Jack's, I didn't turn my back on the club. 
you're cruising right over there. Just like, you know, those things where Jesus take the wheel and it's the little kid <laughs> sailor and Jesus is over the shoulder. You're over the shoulder of that motorcycle riding it out. So there's a, you know, when Jax's relationship comes to an end, you know, when his, his love of his mm-hmm. life, when that relationship comes to an end, that was hard for Beth. That was hard for Beth. And then I put up on the TV this YouTube video somebody had made of all the best moments of their relationship. And she just looked at me with a face full of Greek tears, little piece of feta cheese running out of her eyes. She just goes, why are you doing this to me? Why are you doing this to me? Interesting fact. So you love Jax Teller. The love of Jax Teller's life, Tara, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. played by, um, oh my, Maggie Siff. Yeah. Now, see, for me, like I, I have done this little bracket system already in my mind of the women of Don Draper's life. And I have all of them down. And the the love of Don Draper's life, while people might think it was Betty, it is not. It is Rachel Mencken, the department store owner, also played by Maggie Siff. Which the whole time they refer to as... Do they refer to like the Jewish furniture store or whatever? Like they keep like playing up that her family's Jewish and it's like nobody yeah. blinks an eye at it. Oh yeah. They, they bring uh, for the meeting. They are like, they need a Jew. So they find one in the <laughs> mail room. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It just it goes oh, to show that you, yeah, you can totally just relive how things were back then and how they kind of are that way now. <laughs> but I just thought that was an interesting po- little side note that I just thought of. The love of Don Draper's life and the love of Jax Teller, played by the same magnificent fucking actress. Who? Oh, we left an antihero out of this. Who? Billions? Billions. Yes. Yeah. I. When I was doing some research, I saw his face from like Homeland and I was like, I don't yeah. know, billions. and uh, Yeah. But her... Her in the, when she wears the bondage gear on mm. billions, it's like, who over there do I need to give a tip to? Like, who over there is thinking <laughs> smart? Who over at Showtime knows what they're doing? Uh, there's that one scene in billions where to make sure that there's no wire, two people that just have like a working relationship <laughs> together and they meet in a, in a sauna and they're both just nude. So there's yeah. like, Hey, I'm naked. You're naked. Let's get it all out on the line. Yeah. The only way we could trust each other is to be completely bare, but nude. <laughs> that, there's something about that scene. That I'm like, Whoa, that, that sticks with me. And I don't know if I'm turned on by it or curious by it, but it is <laughs> absolutely like a mind boggling scene. All right. Well, here's where we get to our last matchup and our final four of male antiheroes television. I need to get out all the rules for everybody. It's Tony Soprano against that beautiful Don Draper. It's your nightmare, Connie. It's your nightmare. Um, I may surprise you in this. Yeah. <laughs> By saying it's Don Draper. No. <laughs> By saying that um, this is how it should be. This okay. is this, this never happens in sports. We never get down to the two. It should be New England Patriots, Los Angeles Rams. Um, we have gotten to where we should get to here. We have, we have the sensei and the student. We have the beginnings and the fully formed. We have crime drama versus a very personal drama. So I think this is perfectly ended up, but I'm going to, in terms of television history, the acting, 
and everything that went along with the character and the fact that it's still so relevant today and that he's he lives outside of the television in the real world yeah as he's a person that like we feel like we know he, you can you can talk about like tony's soprano in terms of all kinds of things in your day-to-day life if you really think about it i'm gonna i'm gonna love my runner-up don draper he's my you know he's my man yeah but i'm gonna give it on my vote to tony soprano as the ultimate television anti-hero okay don't forget we still this is our final four so oh the, shit the, i thought we were at the end no there's another bracket there's another oh. bracket this well, is our, i'm the, still i'm still going still going with that so tony soprano one. versus don draper uh okay Don Draper, businessman, petty criminal, broken man, trying to make himself whole. Tony Soprano is is the boogeyman. You know, he's he's the guy that it's like you you like people are intoxicated by like oh he's in the mob he's like a but you get too close to the monster and it'll bite you. I mean, he's Hannibal Lecter in the real world. You know, like look at that poor guy that had the sports store. When he was just watching his credit just get flushed <laughs> out and they bled him dry. Yeah. And Tony can do that, but he also can have complete passionate moment because he wants the best for AJ and, you know, or he wants the best for Meadow Soprano. Um, and he loves his wife, but he also loves a little strange on the side and can't seem to say no to it because he's a powerful man. And his love and compassion for that racehorse um, and the ducks. You know, I mean, here's a man that has a hang, a murder hangover that's running out to feed the ducks and is just like almost goes into a complete cardiac arrest when he realizes that the ducks have migrated and they've flown away and it breaks his heart. A complex character, a scary character. Tony Soprano goes into the the final two, which then leads us to T-Dog having to go against Philip Jennings. That's an equally good. I mean, I, I jumped the gun there, and I'm a little anticlimactic on my antiheroes, but that's also a good, <laughs> a good comparative two to have at the end there. Um, there really, in my mind, was no way that that Tony Soprano was not getting to this point, at, for all the reasons that I just said. Um, he at this point it becomes like. See, if him against Don Draper, I would have been like, well, his crimes are so much more extreme than what Don did. Now we've leveled up on crimes. Yeah, I mean, what's this. what's worse to be a Russian spy and you're trying to take down all of America, or to be a uh, head of a mafia and you're just putting a lot of hurt on a lot of people in the New Jersey, Newark, New York area? <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. I mean, um, Tony for sure killed more people barehanded, or did Philip Jennings? Philip killed a lot of people. I don't think Tony ever cut up a body with his wife in a hotel room, stuffed it in a suitcase and carried it out of the hotel, did he? Dude, my favorite <laughs> Tony Soprano fight ever is the one um, where they're in the kitchen and it's with uh, the guy who wore the wig who you just hated. I don't have the IMDb in front of me. To, to uh, uh, Ralphie was his name or whatever. But remember, they get into a fight in the kitchen. And the guy goes to hit him with the, the frying pan and the other guy grabs like the Pam and they're just like <laughs> fighting in this little small shitty like, you know, whatever, whatever you get your hands on in the kitchen. <laughs> and it reminded me of that fight in Rays in Arizona where he goes to throw a punch and the knuckles get scraped on the little mobile home ceiling. Tiles. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a tough one. This is a tough one. Um, 
my heart strings pull me over to Philip, but I just, same reasons that I gave for the Draper win, if it had been the two of them, which means if I'm going to put Tony above Don, then I got to put him above Philip. It's just television history. It create it spawned the reason we could have all of the rest of these. Yeah. The other, the other 15 owe their fictional lives to Tony's life. I, I want to break it down to you this way. Why I think that Tony Soprano is, is by far the best one. When the actor James Gandolfini died, I literally like, I don't normally get, you know, celebrities dying. Oh, that's too bad. Prince. Oh no. David Boyd. That's bad. But when Carrie Fisher died, I was like, Oh, uh, Princess uh, Leia. Like it, it made me yeah. think about my own mortality. And yep. when James Gandolfini died, I know exactly where I was at. I was walking the dogs. My dad was in town. I got a CNN news alert. I pulled up my phone and go, Oh shit. James Gandolfini just died. And I got very emotional because I had always hoped that at some point they would make a Sopranos movie or they would make something else. And it, it just completely broke me apart. But let's think about this with, with, with the Tony Soprano character. He was a, a villain, but somebody that we really loved. And you know that you loved him because anytime he almost got murdered, you were on the edge of your seat going, no, 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 they yep. can't kill Tony, they can't kill Tony. And I'm going to break down my theories on the final scene of The Sopranos and why it's one of the best things TV's ever done and why it's also one of the most risky ones. Mm -hmm. David Chase, who made The Sopranos, knew that with the very last scene, he had one moment in time. We've watched Tony from our couches. We've watched him from our homes. We've watched Tony's life from a safe space. So all of the womanizing, all of the murdering, all the fast money, it all seems intriguing and like, oh, Tony Soprano, he's living a life. He's got the big SUV, the big house. He's got it all. But in that last moment, when you think that he's going to get smoked out, every person that comes through the door was making your heart beat faster. You're adrenaline was going and everything that was happening in that diner made you feel like, Oh my God, I can't take this anymore. I can't take this anymore. And then you'd hit play on your DVR and be like, there's only a minute left. I can't take this more anymore. I can't take this anymore. I can't take this anymore. Blackness. That yep. last two minutes, you got to know what it was like to be Tony Soprano. You got to Absolutely. live as the man and you only get to do that once at the very end when all of his consequences are starting to really come into you. That wild ride of, I love this man. I would never want to be this man. He was a hero, but he is anti of who I want to be. Tony Soprano, hands down, best anti-hero on TV. He's going to have to go up against our best female anti-hero, more dangerously, our best male anti-hero in cinema, and our female in cinema. The top four, I'm looking forward to it when we get there. Thank you so much, everybody, for hanging out with us over on YouTube and over on the podcast and watching us go through these 16 people, these 16 men that I love so dearly, so dearly. Connie, what do you say? We hop off of the YouTube. We go behind that sweet, sweet paid wall. We do a little circle of trust content and look at what's going to come up on TV this weekend and the following week. So we're going to go, you and I are going to go private browsing here amongst ourselves. Shift Apple in, baby. It's Valentine's Day and I'm with my TV wife. Not fit for video. Okay. Okay. Let me take this hoodie off, Connie. Let's get started right here. Let's, let's get, let's get going right here. Can you put that hoodie back on? <laughs>
there you go, friends. There was today's free show that you can either watch over on YouTube or listen to here on the podcast. Coming up in part two, we've got over 40 minutes where Connie and I are going to do a deep dive on our new favorite show, Pen 15. If you're not watching it, it covers two young girls in seventh grade, but they're actually played by their 30-year-old selves, but they are surrounded around real seventh graders, and it is pure TV awkwardness gold. Absolutely loved it. We talk about that, and we do a deep dive on the Grammys in the world of music and award shows. It's award show season, and some of these are better than others. So we look at what the Grammys try to pull off and critique what we liked, what we didn't like, get into some of the artists, but mainly just hang out as friends and talk about what inspires us and what we know from our insiders of both being professional creatives, our entire working life. It's always pop culture from the creative's perspective, and it starts right now in the circle of trust of comment below. We've got 40 more minutes coming for you, and that's made possible by everyone that went over to AID.network and signed up today. The YouTube channel, the free podcast, it's all made possible by my Circle of Trust members. So if you're enjoying this show and you want it to keep showing up each and every Monday through Friday, whether it's YouTube or your podcast, make sure you please go over to AID.network and sign up to support the show. What do you say we get into bonus content? We got 40 more minutes for COT members. Let's start it right now. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us for some sweet, sweet Circle of Trust bonus content. Uh, COT members, let me know what did you think of seeing it over on video. One of the comments that came in, Connie, is that as people were coming into the video as it already started, they didn't know what we were talking about. And somebody's like, why only men? So maybe I need <laughs> yeah. to work on my graphic game. And so somebody can just stumble in and see exactly what we're talking about. I try to try to say it a couple of different times, like every time we go into a new round you know, revisit the idea, but we're, uh, we're is, is there a way with the graphics? You could just have that as a header at the top to say what our topic is. Yeah. And I, then I think that that was a great suggestion is, you know, yeah. comment below, you know, like next time we'll do, you know, um, the, 